0: Well, good morning, church. How amazing has this weather been? It is incredible. Summer is coming. I cannot wait. Um, What do you guys like most about summer? I want you actually to turn to the person beside you and tell them one of your favorite things uh, that you do in the summer. Maybe it's barbecue or cottage, but turn to somebody beside you and tell them. I, I think as, um, as Canadian summer means so many great things, doesn't it? I, you know, I heard campfires and, and road trips out there. It's a, it's a time to enjoy life and, and family and, and do lots of good things. Uh, there's, there's a different rhythm to summer, for sure. Uh, we're out more. We're on vacation. We're on the golf course. Bedtimes might be later. Routines are, are different. And, and so are our, our schedules, right? Our, our routines change. And, and that means, too, that, that our times to, to connect at church, our times to connect with God, you know, th- this can look different, too. You know, I think of when our family goes camping and we go for a couple weeks, you know, getting uh, to a church service on a Sunday, you know, can be challenging for us. But I, I don't think, too, that it's, it's just summer that can create changes or, or disruptions for us as we, we find time in our lives to meet with God. There, there are different seasons that we have in, in our life, and, and we can hit these times where uh, daily structures for us uh, feel like they're, they're changing and moving, and it's challenging. And certainly, these have been challenging times um, lots of things and lots of ways have have felt uh, absolutely out of sorts over the last few years uh, and It's possible that we we still feel the effects of that that our days still feel a bit out of order and and now, I think in some ways, there's a reclaiming of those pandemic years so so we're busy right whether it's it's a personal Uh, decision or or with work we're busy and and when we're busy uh, very often those things that that we do for our our souls uh, can be those first things that go you know such as reading the bible or spending time in prayer and I I think it's because when you're when you're feeling busy or over busy it leaves us feeling tired and and then when we're tired we don't have the energy to do what our souls need most That's connecting with God. And and then, though, when we lay off meeting with God, we we end up feeling depleted. And then this becomes a a vicious cycle for us. And it's true. Sometimes life has us in places with an unpredictable schedule. And sometimes that's by our choice, but sometimes it's not. And a disordered schedule can, can feel to us almost like a disordered heart. You know, things can be on point for a couple days and then completely off the rails for the next couple of weeks. You know, good one day, not so good the next few days. And, and this kind of rhythm is, is almost like a, a song would sound if it was made up of random notes without any cadence at all. It, it can be grating and untethering. You know, some of us, sometimes when we meet with God, we, we, can, be, we can be distracted you know, we carry around responsibilities that I think sometimes can preoccupy us. You know, we've been trying to look after so many different things in our lives. And sometimes, honestly, we just can't focus well. And and then meeting with God might feel a little shallow. Devotions aren't actual devotion. And and we haven't experienced God deeply in in what feels like forever. And we want to find him again. There can be all kinds of things in our life that come up that that prevent us. But the problem is when we don't connect deeply with God, our souls will feel it, and we can start to feel spiritually empty, thirsty, dry. And we we were made for a relationship with God. And when our time with God becomes marginalized in our day or in our week, uh, we can be a little vulnerable. We can be vulnerable to adopting uh, worldly viewpoints or, or getting more caught up in, in culture and the way culture does things as opposed to God and kingdom culture. Our souls need to find ways to experience the love of God. We, we need spaces to, to be with Jesus. Wherever we find ourselves, so so we're launching this this new sermon series together, you know, as we as we head into summer. But it's for us even when we're we're not in summer, and it's to to learn about those things that are uh, things that we can do that are life giving to our hearts, our souls. You know, every week we're going to be learning about ways that, that we can grow and that we can go deeper in our relationship with Jesus. You know, there, there are practices, uh, that we can, we can do that draw us close to God. There are, there are daily or weekly or annual rhythms or routines that, that we can incorporate into our lives, uh, to meet with God. So that wherever we are, we can encounter God in everything. You know, some people call them spiritual disciplines. You know, we may have, have heard that or habits uh, or practices of Jesus. Whatever word uh, we want to use, they're the, they're the ways that are meant uh, to help us receive and, and express God's love in deeply formed ways in us. And we can use these practices to create a rule of life. Um, have you ever heard this expression before uh it's 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 from the um, monks from centuries and centuries and centuries ago, but it's useful today like just imagine if, if we practice this Christ-like way of life today, men and women hungry for God who live in the invisible presence of him more than the, the visible network of things who experience their life with God as they move about in their days. This is the monastic rule of life. That can help us, help us to learn what it means to encounter God in everything. And I think by its name, it, it can have a negative connotation, the rule of life. It, it can feel constrictive or, or stern or heavy. But it's not about governance. It's not about ruling. It comes from a word which means a straight piece of wood or like a trellis. A trellis is a structure that we have for, for wild plants that, that we use in our gardens, right? They're sturdy, they're orderly, they, they're there to support and, and guide a, a vine of either grapes or flowers, and, and without, it, without something to support that vine, the, the vine would fall, the vine would slump, and it, it wouldn't grow, it wouldn't produce fruit, wouldn't, you wouldn't see the, the flowers. And th- this is the picture for us. As a trellis is to a vine, so is a rule of life for us. Uh, A a system of, of supports. It's an arrangement of our lives around practices for our spiritual health. And we know if a vine doesn't have a trellis, it won't thrive. And if our lives with Jesus don't have some kind of, of structure, something to facilitate the health and growth in our relationship, it also, it won't thrive. And it's, it's not meant to be confining or, or harsh or rigid in, in any kind of way. It's, it's meant to support and it's, it's meant to guide us as we live with Christ. So the idea is that we use these spiritual practices to, to form out our trellis, incorporating different activities that, that order our life or rule our life. Activities like, like serving or like play or like uh, solitude. And, and then these practices serve as the backdrop for, for how we do our life. And, and they serve to, to strengthen our relationship with God. And, and it's good that, that we have this opportunity to talk about that trellis before we start talking about all of these different uh, practices and, and building out our system of habits, our rhythms, our routines. Because there are certain design features of our trellis that, that we're going to want to consider as we think about those rhythms that, that we want to incorporate in our lives with God. There, there's a way that we're going to want to design that framework. And, and there's some important characteristics that we, that we need to consider. The first one is that it should be simple. You know, the practices that, that we do and incorporate into our lives, it, it shouldn't cause us to feel busier or, or heavier If it feels like obligation and not delight, we're not doing it right and it's not gonna work because if it's a burden, the likelihood of us doing it is is zilch. We're not gonna wanna do it and even if we do end up doing it, it's gonna feel mechanical or passionless. These habits or practices that we're gonna incorporate or continue to do in our life, he um, should have the opposite effect to our soul, right? Our time with God should leave us feeling lighter and less cluttered. The kind of life that that we find when we move into a shoulder-to-shoulder relationship with Jesus, connecting with him, responding to him. And practices just shouldn't be complicated, They're the means by which we enjoy the very presence of God. And it's through these these straightforward, life-giving activities that that are grounded in the life of Jesus that whether we're at work or resting or hanging out with friends or running errands, wherever we, we are that we can engage, they shouldn't feel like work. Our, our rule for life, um, our, our trellis, it, will, it, it shouldn't actually be a rule for life. Uh, our framework needs to be flexible. Depending on our, our needs or a different season in our life, we're going to use spiritual practices, different spiritual practices at, at different times. And we might add certain activities. We might drop up other ones. You know, as, as life changes, practices, they need to change. I, I remember when our family first had kids and there was no way at that point that I was getting up at five and spending time in the word for two hours with God. It just wasn't going to happen. I was exhausted. It, my practices needed to change. And, and there can be seasons that involve simplifying uh, certain things that we're doing so that our relationship with Jesus can be prioritized. Another feature uh, in our design of our rule uh, that we can think about is diversity. Our variety can be really good you know, we we don't necessarily want to eat the same thing every single day we don't want to work out the same way every single day when when we do things differently it it can stir up excitement right changing our routines can generate a new enthusiasm. I remember uh, one season I was you know, consistently in my usual morning routine, I would have coffee with Jesus. I would be in the word. I would journal. I would pray. And, and I was going through weeks where it was just dry. I was difficult. I could not connect. And God did this really cool thing. He, you know, he moved me outside and he moved me into this totally different morning routine with him. And Man, I learned more in that season than I had in like the six months previously. It was incredible being with him in that environment, mixing it up, gave fresh energy. Diversity in our practices is good in our framework. Another thing that we can consider as we're, as we're building out a, a rule of life for us is that it's got to be personal to us. We we can't be put in a box with our design. Yours will will not be the same as mine. Everybody is is different with with different spiritual temperaments. We have different ways of experiencing God, and and different ways of being in relationship with Him. I think sometimes we can end up doing things that that we don't really enjoy, can't we? Like things that that we think that we should be doing in the way that we should be doing them. But they're not, they don't suit us. They're not really for us. You know, like, like I said, I get up early to spend time with God. But I have a pastor friend who meets with God every night, and she starts at like 11, 12 o'clock at night, and she stays up until like 2 in the morning. Uh, talking to God. And, and if she tried to conform to, to my rhythm, it would never work. And if I tried to conform to hers, I'd sleep through the entire devotional time with him. We, we know now so much about our different learning styles. You know, some people need visuals. Other people need to move. Some people need to, to hear. And, and this is the way that we should consider our meeting times with God. Should be personal to us. Uh, and the last thing that we can consider when we're, when we're building out a rule for, of life for ourselves is that it needs to be sturdy, right? We, we need to meet with God continually. We need to be steady uh, in, and, and consistent in our relationship, like, like any relationship that, that we would have. In, in whatever way it is that we're meeting with God, we are faithful. To connect with god you know and this this idea of of routine it doesn't mean legalism legalism is is a, is more so about a, a sideways heart position it's it's this sort of underlying uh motivation uh behind what we're doing is it is it because we should be doing it ought to be doing it Um, must be doing it are we doing it to to look good that's that's legalism being faithful in our relationship with Jesus isn't isn't legalism it's it's building intimacy uh, when we're consistent it builds trust when we're faithful and show up when we come back again and again to to delight in him we we know more of him and he fills up our tanks you know, it's it's good to to incorporate a a continual uh, design in our in our rule of life. And it's important uh, that we consider these these characteristics of our our trellis. You know, as as we head out and start to learn more about spiritual practices, or or uh, continue to do some of those ones that we're doing. Um, you know, is the rule that we have designed for us. You know, is it is it simple? Is it flexible? Is it diverse? Is it is it personal to us? And does it have uh, the ability to be continual? You know, when I just think about some of the stories in the Bible, you know, we we picture some of the people. That that God gives us, like David dancing and and worshiping, or we have Daniel who, you know, is praying and and fasting. Uh, we have Mary. Martha is serving, but Mary, the contemplative, is is sitting at at Jesus's feet and she's just listening to him as as he's sharing truth. We we get this picture of these multitude of all the different ways, whether it's singing or meditation or or walking or Sabbath. You know, ways that 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 we can use practices that we can discover more deeply the presence of God. So as we move forward in this sermon series, we're gonna discover, we're gonna rediscover all these different ways that that we can personally incorporate these these different rhythms and design a current rule of life to to encounter God in everything. I I believe those monks. We're, we're on to something so long ago. Because there's no way to God apart from, from the real life that we have in the real world. And we all long for more you know, depth and, and beauty and truth and meaning. You know, I, I think most of us probably don't have the call to, to run away and, and join the, the closest monastery or, or our convent. But but each of us can learn to enjoy God's presence in in our daily life. Encountering God is for everyone. In everything. Ordinary people living in ordinary places. There's a story in the Old Testament that reminds me of this. It's the story of Jacob encountering God. Uh, if you have your Bibles or your phone, you'll find it in Genesis 28. Uh, it's the part that I'm going to speak to it starts around verse 11. But uh, it's the story of Jacob when he's a little bit younger. And there's all kinds of mess in his family. Uh, he's, he's running away um, from, from a number of issues. His, his father's dying Uh, his mother scheming his brother is uh, enraged with him Jacob had stolen his blessing so now Jacob's on the run for his life and and he goes as as far as he can and the sun has set uh, and he finds a a stone uh, and uses it as a pillow when he lies down and he sleeps and he dreams and what a dream you know the dream is this this ladder that has been set upon the earth and it is uh, stretching as high up as the heavens and angels are ascending and descending and then god is there jacob can see him and then god speaks to him and he promises him all these amazing things he says I will protect you he promises him his safety he says i am with you i will stay with you i'll stick with you until i have done everything that i have promised you he says with me there are children and land it's incredible jacob wakes up and he looks around and and he sees nothing out of the ordinary it's the same wilderness the same rock same sky all is the same as when he went to sleep but he says, surely God is in this place, and I didn't even know it. It's incredible, it's wonderful, it's, it's holy, he says. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the, the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And he takes that stone that he was using as a pillow and he, he stands it up as a, as a pillar, as this memorial, and he pours oil over it and he worships God and he christens the place Bethel. It was called Luz and now it's Bethel, God's house. He responds with this vow of commitment to God and just worships. And, and this story displays for us how God encounters are for everyone. Ordinary people experience God. This, this is an ordinary guy, Jacob. Maybe even we can relate to him a little bit. He's got, he's got relationship problems in his family, right? He's, he's good at making bad decisions. He, he runs away from problems, and the list goes on and on and on but despite all this mess he has this beautiful encounter with God and and there is something that we can learn from this that that God met with Jacob as he was this this encounter was relational God encouraged Jacob, and he loved on him, and he blessed him. And and I believe that that God invites us to meet with him in this very same way. (laughs) Sweaty, and dirty, and messy, and broken, and human. God encounters ordinary people. And I don't know if we always do that. You know, just, just be ordinary, be real, just be. I wonder what our, our real agenda is as we seek God. You know, do we share that same relational goal that, that God has with us? Because I think for many of us, our focus you know, in devotional time can be this self-improvement. It's about knowing more. It's about character cleanup. And, and don't get me wrong, growing in Christ-likeness is a good thing. It is important. It is essential. It is commanded. But, but how we get this, I think, gets mixed up in how we go about pursuing it. When we focus on our, on our actions, our, our technique, our, our resolve to, to improve, our focus is not on God. It's on us. It's on our efforts. And, and the truth is, we can be very successful as a Christian and, and a failure as a disciple of Jesus. We can pray all day, but not meaningfully engage with our living God. We can come to church and sing, but not actually worship. We can do spiritual activity, but not deepen our relationship with Christ. Our times with God aren't about what we can accomplish or calculate or produce. That stuff is striving. Only God gives growth. God created us for union with himself. We build this ongoing, life-giving, loving friendship with him, and from this, he by his holy spirit transforms us. The point of our practices are him, beholding him, knowing him. And, and it's there that that we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. The heartbeat of our habits, our starting place, is that we would we would know, we would experience, we would love, we would be loved back. Our our focus is on Christ Himself, not our Christ likeness. His practices don't save us, or or make God love us more. We're only saved by, by God's free and faithful love and grace that, that we have in Jesus. There's nothing that we can do to make him love us more. There's nothing that we can do to make him love us less. He doesn't hold us up and say, this is my child. Look at all their accomplishments. No no he seeks us like Jacob he he reveals himself to us he loves us and he blesses us all just like Jacob the way that it was displayed there Jacob Jacob that guy who who conspired with his mother when his father was dying to rob his twin brother of a blessing that he didn't deserve and then when he pulled it off he made a run for it and this this is the guy that God encountered there and what does God do what does he do he does nothing but bless him and this is God's heart for his people (laughs) his tender and beautiful love for each of us it is not what we do it is not what we do it is who we are and and acceptance of this is where the the fullness of our encounter waits for us don't don't miss that acceptance of our very ordinariness is exactly where the fullness of our encounter with God is because he's not just waiting to train us and teach us and correct us and, and grow us. Yes, he, he does those things, but how limited would it be if that was all he did? No, our God sings over us. Our God is the God who reclined at tables after dinner. Our God sits on a beach and makes breakfast for friends. Our God parties at at weddings. He is gentle and good and kind and and soft. and, And he wants us to know him like this. Not just power and justice and rightness, but also love and mercy and grace and tenderness for us and and we'll restrict our encounter we'll restrict our our full blessing from god if all we ever do is seek him for our growth there's a persian poet who wrote today like every other day we wake up empty and frightened don't open the door to the study and begin reading Take down a musical instrument and let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. I think Jacob figured this out. You know, he let the beauty of, of God's love overwhelm him to worship. And he stuck that rock in the earth. He declared his, his heart was for God alone. Jacob, Jacob knew the gift of, of being with God as the beloved without doing anything. Ordinary people are loved by God. And our our practices are the vehicle by which we we experience and know his love. God encounters are for everyone. Ordinary people experience God. You know, God encounters are, are for everyone, everywhere. You know, ordinary people experience God in in ordinary places. This was very much an ordinary place, Bethel. Uh, Originally that city of Luz before Jacob renamed it there. It It was rocky, it was sandy, it was dusty, it was a small village. It was a common place, nothing extraordinary. And it's here Jacob has this beautiful encounter with God. And and this is something for us that we can learn. We can encounter God in the, the ordinary everything of our lives. Wherever we are, we have this opportunity to, to see his holiness. You know, when, it, when scripture says that uh, Jacob woke up and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. I, I feel like it's more than, than, than just Jacob waking up from, from a dream. This is Jacob awakening to, to God. He, he becomes aware that, that God's activity is happening all around us all the time. And, and he recognizes that God can be found in all things, everywhere, at all times. And that ordinary places are places of encounter, places of, of worship. And Jacob, he points out that the, the whole world is God's sanctuary. That the rock that he put down is, can be an altar. That the, the dirt underneath his feet are it's actually heaven's gate. You know, when we don't experience the, the presence of God, God isn't the problem. Right? There's, there's no place that God is not. It's our awareness of God, that's the problem. I think what's missing is, is our consent to be where we presently are. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that God has compartments the same way that, that we can create boxes between things like the natural and the supernatural and the world and and the heavens. God, God created all things. He's before all things. In Him, all things hold together. And and He is available for us anytime, anywhere. He's in our living room during our quiet time. He's with us at our work conference in in Vegas. And He is here at church on Sunday. And He was there on the dock with us on Saturday. And, and he is here, whether we are aware of it or not. God can't be confined to a calendar or, or four walls and a roof. Right? It's like the psalmist declared, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? So if we take the experiences that we have every day on the earth, and, and connect with him through all the different parts of our lives. I believe that we will discover that these ordinary places are actually drenched with divine possibility of meeting up with God. And we, we have the ability to keep God present uh, in our minds where, wherever our feet are planted. We can, we can make this decision to live presently, sensitive to, to the friendship that Jesus is offering at any time, everywhere. We, we set our hearts and our minds to seek the Lord. Dallas Willard said that attention is the beginning of devotion. You know, As the focus of our thoughts affects everything else, it evokes our feelings, it motivates our actions. So what's your attention on? Your, your phone, your watch, your calendar, your to-do list, your vacation coming up, your job. You know, living, living awake in an in, in ordinary life will, will require a willingness uh, to slow, to, to, to notice. There's definitely a, a pace to this because paying attention takes time. If we, if we move too quickly through our surroundings and our experiences, um, they, they become more blurry uh, scenery in the background of the life that we're actually focused on. We need to stop looking past things around them or, or through them or onto that next thing. Instead, we, we consider our place, our moment, our, our now, and we, we give ourselves entirely to exactly where we are. Uh, I wrote in my journal once about an experience with God I had in an ordinary place in, in my kitchen, baking bread. And as I was doing it, I was thinking about how it was going to turn out. And this reminded me of my sister, my brother's wife, who lives in Nova Scotia. She's a beautiful bread baker, and she would share with me her father's um, musings on baking bread: the yeast, the temperature of the water, the the humidity of the day, how it affects the taste and the and the texture and. And I was thinking that from heaven, you know, Franz is is still speaking on the beauty and, and wonder of bread. And in this moment, I'm I'm hijacked from from carefully measuring out these, these ingredients because the the simplicity of the bread now became a sacredness. It it was a symbol of our togetherness in God with, with each other, my sister, her her father, despite that distance. Uh, between here and the east coast beside the distance of on earth and and in heaven we are one in christ we are one seemingly far and yet so close in proximity to each other and then as i would look at that familiar crust of bread you see what is right and what is true and what is good that god brings all things together in christ and that one day the visible church will be with him all together and God awakened me in my kitchen. He took my, my ordinary everyday bread baking experience and he transformed it into this holy encounter with him. And, and I think so it can be for us driving to work or grocery shopping or washing slippery babies. They, they all present this opportunity for communion with Jesus. Our everyday living moments, our invitations into soft places of, of sacred meaning. We need to go slower and stay alert. We need to live awake and, and see each and every part of our lives as this possibility as a, a cathedral unto God. Every day in our ordinary moments, we have the opportunity to experience God as we, as we live attuned with the invisible presence of heaven in our midst. And Jacob figured this out. He called the earth awesome at that place of encounter. He said it was holy. It was a doorway to heaven. And he claimed that terrain is the very house of God. Ordinary places can be extraordinary spaces in the love of God. And and our practices are the vehicle uh, that by which we will we will experience and know Him uh, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. Ordinary people experience God in ordinary places. God encounters are for everyone and everywhere. You know, I, I'm excited as we we head out together. Uh, in this sermon series, I'm excited what what God will do in in this season in our lives through through our church. You know, as we seek Him, He promises that that He'll be found. You know, this is this can be a season of wanting more. Will will you consider it? In the in the quietness of your heart, at the onset of this sermon series, as we think about those practices each and every week, will you commit to trying and incorporating and growing and drawing near? This can be a season for each of us of wanting more as our church. Imagine what he could do. Get a chance to discover practices together or rediscover Things that we did, and and build out some some different rhythms into our lives, and and design maybe anew our rule of life for this time in this season. And it's it's my prayer for for each of us that that we encounter God in everything. Amen. Let's pray.